This is the Reclaiming Families podcast. It is our goal to expose the lies that undermine, erode, and destroy the family while discovering and reclaiming God's design for gender, marriage, family, and sexuality. So join us for open conversation about the struggles and joys of reclaiming families. Welcome back to another episode of Reclaiming Families. We are excited. We're continuing our series in this pro-life series. But before we get started, we want to talk about a costume competition that we have coming up here. And so in order to be part of this costume competition, what you do is it has to be family-oriented, number one. So you and your family go have fun. Um, Halloween or or whenever you um, if you go out and trick or treat or do a trunk or treat or what, yeah it whatever can, you do it could be the whole family it can be a sibling pair um, mother daughter father son but somehow the costumes have to be connected to not like physically connected but the theme yeah connected to the other people in the family so the example is we are going to be the Paw Patrol so we all have Paw Patrol costumes. That's right. That's right. Homemade, might I add, not yeah, by me. That's right. Yeah. By Randy's mom. And uh, they're very incredible. But uh, so, yeah, that that's what. We, and so we want you to post uh, to Facebook or Instagram and tag reclaiming families. And if you do, we have a really sweet reward or yeah. prize. So there'll be some judges. Tag us in it. The judges are going to get together, and we are going to see the most creative, um, festive, family oriented costume and the winners get drum roll brrrm. what is it what's the sweet sweet prize ice cream from the sugar queen that's right so if the winner of the competition will receive um, ice cream for a whole family at sugar queen creamery which is uh the best ice cream in town quite honestly that's right that's right it's got a great atmosphere that's our humble but correct opinion yes yeah. Um, so you can go get your ice cream. You could sample every flavor if you wanted to. That's right. They won't stop you. And it's good. Every flavor is good. I haven't tried every flavor, but I've tried a lot of them. And to top it off, sprinkles are always free. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We love that place. But um, all right, let's get started. So today we have a guest that we are really excited about. As many of you know, we've been going through a series, um, a pro-life series, just in all the current events that have been going on in our nation recently. And we're super excited about, you know, Tennessee's even recently passed some new laws that abortion is completely illegal in our state now. And, and we praise the Lord for that. Um, and to kind of celebrate that, we've been interviewing different people um, that we are excited about what the Lord is doing in them and through them in the pro-life movement. And so today we have Melissa Winstead on the podcast. And Melissa is someone who Randy and I, you know, kind of see their family from afar and we look up to them and uh, what we know of them. And so we are thrilled to have Melissa with us today. So Melissa, welcome to the Reclaiming Families podcast. Yes. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. Yes. Yeah, I'm very excited. I think, uh, like I said, I've only met the Winstead family really one time, and uh, it was a time where I just walked away from it thinking, wow, that was really incredible. And a uh, very fun family, very thoughtful family and for how they raise their children. And uh, so maybe later, I don't, I don't know if we'll be able to get Miss Winstead back on, but uh, uh, today I want to talk about kind of her occupation. Yeah. But before we get into what you, your job, tell us a little bit about you personally, um, just about yourself and your family. Sure. Um, well, um, I guess the story probably starts, my husband and I've been married 20 years this year. Jonathan's my husband. And, um, we actually met while I was doing what I do, um, professionally, which is, I was a sonographer, um, working at the site where medical students do their OB rotations for six weeks and he was a, a med student so um, that's kind of how we met as he uh, pretended to take an interest in ultrasound uh, for a, a few weeks and um, so we um, have eight children now um, our oldest is 18 and just graduated high school starting his um, 
I guess, post high school education. And um, so we have uh, three boys and five girls and um, our youngest is five. Um, so we've been through the stages of life that, you know, as I was a young mom, never thought I'd see like, really, you know, I have two drivers and three in high school and one graduate and we're done with diapers and almost done with naps. It's just a little surreal uh, to just be in a, a, another stage of life as a family, but it's good. We've homeschooled uh, pretty much the whole way through. Um, so yeah, uh, it's, it's been a wild ride and I, um, continue to vol volunteer as an ultrasound tech, um, on the side of, besides being at home with my kids, uh, I work a couple days a week at our local crisis pregnancy center here in Johnson city. Yeah. So tell us about that. Um, kind of, it sounds like you've been doing ultrasounds for over 20 years. Yes. So you're very familiar with it, but kind of, how did you go from, it sounds like working at an OB office to working at, um, the crisis pregnancy center? Well, early in marriage, um, he had to move away to do residency. We went to Pennsylvania. Um, I thought I would work at the hospital there doing the same thing. I had been working here in Johnson City at a high-risk OB office, and I really loved that work. Um, but there wasn't a need um, at their uh, center for that me doing that, and uh, we decided to go ahead and start our family, but I really wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. So, um before I got to stay home, I was pregnant um, pretty soon after we got there. Um, the, an opportunity came up to work a contract position that would just take place in the last part of my pregnancy and have me home and done with that assignment before the baby was born. And then it would provide enough money to pay off the one vehicle that we thought, okay, if, if that's paid for, I can stay home. So that was the whole scheme behind doing that. But it was eye-opening because when, when I went to work my contract position for five months, it was in an OB clinic in Massachusetts. And I don't know if it was statewide the way they practiced or just this particular one, but it was very unique from the way I was used to working in an OB clinic here in Johnson City because they would see patients that they would either do OB care throughout their pregnancy or they would provide elective abortions um, and they had no qualms with either one. You know, they could deliver one lady's baby one minute and go do an abortion procedure in the next room on the next woman. And that was eye-opening for me because I hadn't been faced with that yet ever where a part of my job then was required to provide a service to these doctors to help them determine the gestational age of a fetus. So they would know what type of abortion they were going to perform. Wow. And it, it bowled me over because it wasn't expected. It was like, I'd already moved up there, taken the position and was starting my training when the girl that was just handing the reins over to me, the previous ultrasound tech who her assignment was ending, she kind of informed me that's what she did on some of her scans throughout the day. And they were flagged or scheduled a certain way. So you would know that this was one of those women that was, you know, considered an abortion. And, and so she, the way she performed the exam looked very different. Um, than, than how you would typically do it. Um, so on a carry patient, somebody was planning to carry to term, of course, you, you did all the same usual things. You're happy, you're showing them things, you're having a relationship with them. They leave excited. You feel like, wow, I really did something wonderful for that woman. But when a client or patient came in, you know, not intending to carry, she wouldn't hardly speak to the woman. She would turn the screen away. She would make sure nothing was said or heard at all regarding what we knew as ultrasound techs about what was on the screen or what she was carrying and just quietly ushered her back out sort of like as fast as you can and quietly as you can. Mm -hmm. And I remember just watching in horror as that's how she did her scans yeah. on those women. And I thought, I can't wait for her to leave because as soon as she's gone, I'm going to do this really differently. Yeah. And so um, when she was gone and it was all me in control of the ultrasound room, uh, <laughs> when I would get a, a patient like that in there, I would 
just assume that they were like everybody else. And I, I didn't do it any differently because I hadn't been told I had to do it any differently from any of my doctors. So I just went about, you know, showing them life and here's your baby kicking. Listen to this. Look at that. You know, um, not swiveling the screen away, but rather swiveling the screen right up to them so they could see. And, you know, um, I don't know the fruit of any of that with those women because I had no way to follow up with them, but I would just hope and pray while I was doing that, that there would be a change in her heart. And, um, to this day, I still don't know if there were any changes of heart about them getting to see a baby before they went through with whatever they planned to go through with. But that was the point at which I realized, especially when that assignment was over, I was like, I think this is why the Lord put me in ultrasound in the first place, because that's what I want to do. I want to use ultrasound for that purpose. And I realized that working with a crisis pregnancy center, I could still be a stay-at-home mom. I could volunteer and do ultrasound in my spare time. And I could, yes, use that for the kingdom. That's awesome because that's incredible. I mean, well, something we talk about all the time is it's almost like there's these two narratives that are always going on. Um, you know, there's um, you've probably seen the movie Unplanned or heard Abby Johnson's story, and it that really opened our eyes to the evil, I guess, um, of ev- like just all of the like abortion just seems so deceitful and manipulative. Like if we're all about informed consent and stuff like that, then people should know what's going on inside their body. You shouldn't turn a screen from them just to like ease the the pain or the evil of the decision you're about to make. Like that's not even informed consent. But the two narratives that she was talking about were, yeah, I got off. Um, we would look at some like Planned Parenthood websites and, you know, the first narrative is you can't do it. Like it's, it's too much, too hard, too expensive. Yeah. This is not for you. You're, you're not ready to be a mom. You, you can't, you can't. And the second narrative is you can do it. It will be hard, but also rewarding. And there'd be great joy in being a mom. And, um, you'll actually find life in giving your life to your children. And, and, uh, there's this, you can do it and we will be with you. And so those are the two narratives and and it's so it was such a stark difference between the two of the pro-choice, um, pro-abortion, um, pro uh, let's end the life of this baby is you can't do it. Just go ahead and make it easy. And then the other one saying, yes, you can. And uh, it's kind of reinforcing. And, and uh, you know, hopefully you can kind of tell us, hey, yeah, we, you're on track or or uh, kind of your opin- opinion on it. But but, yeah, those are the two narratives. I thought, yeah. wow, it's just so starkly different. And the one thing about the ultrasounds in particular, and I remember going on a tour of Agape in Johnson City and Beth took us through and she was like, I think you all were raising money for a new machine. It's been years ago. Yes, Um, and now we even have a brand new facility that you guys should come visit. Yeah, I'd love to. It's awesome. Um, And, but I remember her saying like, this is the room where literally lives are changed. And then we had um, Robin Chambers from, focus on the family. She she spoke with us on the podcast about a year ago and they were doing a thing called operation ultrasound. And so we know that there's a lot of power in an ultrasound. And I know you were just saying that you don't know if, um, people's stories kind of change from that. Um, your first job where, you know, or not your first job, but your first time, um, doing ultrasounds with abortion minded people. But now at Agape, you've probably seen where abortion-minded people have come in and maybe changed their minds or something like that. And so if you could share with us a little bit just about the impact that an ultrasound can have on a woman who's unsure about what they want to do with their pregnancy or who is abortion-minded. Okay. Um, I think it impacts them from several areas and reasons. Um, one, most women do that are newly pregnant, and let's say especially ones who've never been pregnant before, they have a pretty huge disconnect about what's actually happening in their bodies. Um, many are in denial. I mean, they know that they've gotten a couple lines on a stick show up as positive, but 
yeah, some of them still aren't really believing it's probably true or it's just it's just this idea of pregnancy right at that point but when all of a sudden they're seeing on a big screen the inside of their own body and there's a baby in there with a heartbeat moving acting like a little baby it it shocks them you know because whether um they were lied to in their education because they just weren't given the proper education that teaches you about fetal fetal development. And they believe this is just going to be a clump of cells or, or, or if they were lying to themselves and thinking, Oh, that won't be anything that'll get to me. All of a sudden they do make a connection and it goes from this idea of being pregnant to this surreal reality of like, Whoa, that's real. And um, so when they see those things, they can't deny the reality anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen so many almost have an instant connection that I, I don't think they anticipate when they see their baby, you know. Yeah. Um, movement is another thing. It's amazing how early a baby and how tiny they are that they move just like you would see a newborn move that their, their movements are just very much like, ah, oh, the stretching, the yawning, the, yeah. you know, the way they um, kick their legs and just, it, it's so reminiscent of a reality that they are familiar with. So basically it's just those types of things that I feel like make the impact um, of, of making the idea of a, a pregnancy their own pregnancy. Yeah. It's all of a sudden them uh, their future, I think, and, and their baby. And before that, that's not really, I think, part of their, their thought process. Yeah. You know, it's even crazy because our first baby, we miscarried and it was 10 weeks, but even the miscarried baby, at, I guess it was nine and a half weeks, but you could see the little like string bean legs and the teeny tiny little feet. Like you could see the, the little body of a, a baby that was yeah, you know, maybe a, an inch or less long. And yeah. so, but it was, yeah, it was a full human baby. But also I was just thinking about our own pregnancy and our second, our second pregnancy, we had a little girl and uh, I remember the ultrasound room going in there and finding out the gender of the baby. And uh, yeah, it was incredible the first time, but when I found out the gender, it was almost like there was something that happened in my mind, it just became more real. And it was just kind of like, I remember driving home, like, do not mess with my girl is what I thought, you know, going home. It was like, I'm having a, we're having a little girl and don't mess with her. I'm going to protect her. And uh, that was not there the day before or the hours before. But when I saw the ultrasound that I was having a girl, all of a sudden it just instilled it in me. And it was a, I mean, it was just a change in my thought process. I was like, it was so powerful. Uh -huh. You're right. That's something that many times does come into our discussion with somebody because I can tell the gender really early. And so if I can see it, I do ask them, would you like to know? Cause I can see it, you know, and there have been many times where that information, like you said, Randy drives home the reality a whole lot more from baby to like picturing a little boy or a little girl and um, yes, that, that has been huge at times when God just provides that extra information, you know, in that moment. Yeah. And similarly with our little boy, which he didn't get to go, but I started having to go each week for an ultrasound starting, I guess, at 30 weeks. Um, and so I got to see him every week and it was like, I could see him putting on the pounds and his chubby little cheeks and, and it did, it just made him. Like he was real, but the more I saw him, it was like, I felt like I was connecting to him more and more and more as, as time went on. And I got to put a, a face with the little, with what we were dreaming of and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I, what, what are some other impacts that uh, the ultrasound room can have on a, um, somebody who is considering an abortion? Or maybe even like, what are some of the signs of life that you can see that are mind blowing to you or 
mind blowing to the the people you have in the room with you? Um, I think it starts obviously when they can see the heartbeat. That's really the very first and earliest sign of life that you can see. Um, anywhere from late in the fifth week of pregnancy, which is really just three weeks after conception. Yeah. uh, And later in that week, but um, up to the the fourth week after conception. um, By then, usually you can at least see the little throb throb of the heart beating clearly. Um, But it it, um, changes and develops crazy fast by just a week later it looks completely different Mm. from like a grain of rice to you can see the early brain and the spine and little arm and leg buds the heart rates climbed a lot faster then you go even one more week to six weeks beyond conception and you clearly see the little arms and legs there's a good amount of movement I've, I've definitely seen movement in the seventh week uh you know past the period um where you're like that little embryo just moved like even me it amazes me when I see um a seven week fetus just bending and making some movements in its uh body um because it's it's so strange it's like five weeks ago this was literally conceived and now it has heart and muscle you know some muscle movement but um as you move along uh, at least easily by 10 weeks, you can make out the differentiation of the fingers and the, and the toes. And there's all that, the hiccuping and the, mm-hmm. um, the stretching and they can bounce around inside that fluid, like an acrobat. It's a, it's beautiful. Like they look like a weightless astronaut, you know, yeah. far more motion is, is what they're free to do while they're suspended in the amniotic fluid than, even what a newborn can do because they're not surrounded by fluid anymore. You know, gravity's acting on them uh-huh. and you don't see some of that level of movement at, in a child that's born until many months down the road. But in utero, it's almost like they have to put in no effort and they can stand on their little legs and they can, you know, roll around and, you know, just it's, they're like acrobatic basically. And that's it at, from in the first trimester. It's so, it's beautiful to watch. Yeah. There's one of the ultrasound ladies at um, the office that we go to. She's just saying, she's like, it never gets old to keep seeing this over and over. And she's like, you know, I don't get to follow the babies up, but she's like, I really do believe they, their little personalities already are coming out in the womb. Um, Cause with our daughter, um, she was like, she kept laughing and we're like, what are you laughing at? Like, let us in on it. She's like, she's just so feisty, you know, she's, um, and we're like, do you say, you know, kind of like, do you say that to everybody just c- to make like proud parents prouder? And she's like, no. And that's when she was telling us like, you, they all have different temperaments even. And it's funny. Cause now as a two-year-old, she is really feisty and always getting into stuff. So yeah, that's fun. Yeah, I like to joke with people that, um, if you're not finding the gender easily at the point you actually should be. Uh, just follow where the hands are because a male, his hands <sighs> have found that he's a male way early in utero. And that's where their hands stay all the <laughs> time. And I'm like, girls don't do that. But little boys sure do. And I think, oh, I've never thought what a p- poor pity it is when we put a little diaper on these baby boys and they have to wear that diaper for a long time because they're probably like, <laughs> What happened to it? <laughs> I mean, mom, I, I've had, mom. had it close at hand for all these months and it's gone, you know. Um, so you First you cut it and then you <laughs> took it from me. <laughs> that's that's really funny. Yeah, my mom said that I, I used to suck my two fingers and she said that, I'm a, I guess she only had one ultrasound of me, but she said I was sucking those two fingers on my ultrasound and then I suck them for way too long on the outside of the womb as well. So that's fun. Um, Do you have like any stories that are memorable to you as far as just like, um, just the sweet stories of life where you have seen women or moms and dads, I guess, change their mind or get really excited about 
seeing life and then wanting the life? Yes. Um, goodness, so many. Um, I, I'll, I'll tell you just a couple of short ones if I can make them short. But um, I remember one couple came come in very abortion minded. They were young, um, maybe just out of high school, hadn't been dating very long. So totally didn't mean for this to, um, you know, end up in pregnancy. Um, and of course, just want to preface it by saying there's nobody that we see that comes abortion minded that doesn't have a long list of what any one of us would consider really huge obstacles and problems. Right. It's never a lighthearted, just mm, whatever. Um, I'll be okay with this. It's, it feels like they are between a rock and a hard place mm. and see no way that this could ever be something good. And so, yeah, I just want to say that um, about, you know, the women I've met in all these years, um, cause I've been working at our crisis pregnancy center. Um, it's been, um, yeah, 13 years now. So, um, but this young couple, we did their ultrasound. They ended up being a little further along than they thought. So they got to see an 11 week baby with their first, wow. you know, look, and that is a really fully developed, recognizable, you can see, ribs and spine and all the movements and little cute profile and everything and he just hollered out he's like oh my goodness it's a baby and that that changed right then because they neither one had a concept of yeah. what this really was and and from then the story was done they were carrying they were even excited they they left with big grins on their faces staring at that picture could not stop looking at that picture um that they were given um there was a, a hard story um we had of a a lady who um wasn't even um heterosexually attracted and had been a practicing lesbian for um, pretty much most of her adult life and again because of a lot of trauma that she'd been through that made her story just something we just empathized with so much as to why she was living that lifestyle and of, of all the strange things she comes in um, pregnant and looking for an abortion uh, because it was not consensual and I guess a date rape drug that can make you unaware that that has even happened to you uh, by a, a really good friend had uh, drugged a drink when they were supposed to, um, yeah, supposed to be just doing an activity amongst friends um, the next day. And anyway, um, she didn't even suspect anything had happened um, until she missed her period and took a test and of all things, it was positive and she had no recollection of ever even having intercourse period um but then putting two and two together went back to that evening and realized that there had been some odd things the next morning and um anyway yes he confessed that yes he had done that but here she finds herself in a position of um not even being attracted to men not wanting to be with a man and pregnant and she has a lesbian partner now I know this is a hard and twisted story to hear but these are the real things that people find themselves with and yeah. um but also a woman of of faith saying that she knew um God and didn't really want to do this but you know she can't have that person's baby because of what happened and who he was and um, just being reminded of that and so we did uh, an ultrasound for her to help her figure out how far along she was and if it was viable because you know that question being answered this word viable are you familiar with what that means we are yeah just, well you can explain yeah um, so so many pregnancies end in miscarriage the rate is up to one in four or five pregnancies naturally end in miscarriage and so it is a really uh, encouraged thing that we do to ask a woman if she's considering abortion uh, to consider having an ultrasound because you don't want to abort a pregnancy that might be miscarrying anyway. And if you can establish that, that saves you all kinds of heartache 
and uh, more to boot. So anyway, um, we were going to do that for her and um, we did the ultrasound and, and she knows that um, she's very against having this baby and so is her partner who had driven there with her. But when she saw and I, you know, zoomed in on this little tiny image of uh, just an itty bitty tiny little embryo, but you could see the heartbeat and she flew up off the table. She said, is that my kid? Is that my baby? Is that my baby's heartbeat? I said, yes. And she said, well, I guess I'm going to have the little sleep. <laughs> and I was like, wow. You know, <laughs> she, she knew right then she didn't care if that would cost her that relationship of the woman in the waiting room or anybody else that, and despite the challenges of that man and that the reminder, um, even though this came about in a way she would have never welcomed or consented to, just seeing it was her baby. And then it was like, yeah, she, she's like, I, I've always, I, I never thought I wanted to be a mom, but a friend of mine had a baby recently. And I just remember being a little smitten with that baby. That was the first time I ever thought, could that be me, you know? And so it was just beautiful to see that change because it is one of the tools that God many times uses to show somebody that they really want something they didn't think they wanted. Yeah. What's it like for you to, you know, be in the room? Like I can imagine that it could be, I mean, it just, it could take so many twists and turns. Like it could be heartbreaking when you, you get in there and there's not a heartbeat or um, the excitement of it, It's, I feel like yeah. getting, a look inside the womb is almost like, I mean, all work can be sacred, you know, but it's like, you're getting in on the most intimate parts of someone's life. Like you're getting to see inside of them and introduce them to their child. And, um, what's that like for you? I'm just curious. You know, it's a privilege. It really is. And you're right. You never know what you're going to see. Like, you can connect with somebody. You can hear a lot of parts about their story, their medical history, and maybe get an idea of what you might expect to see and maybe even prepare them for what you expect to see. But I'm surprised all the time by when I put that probe down, what actually is on the screen. And it's so important um, for us at Agape and I'm sure every pregnancy center to make sure that whatever we find, we connect love with that woman yeah. Um, joy over what we should be joyful over, uh, empathy and sympathy over what is heartbreaking. Um, and that leads to a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer right there in the room many times. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, it is a, it's a privilege to get to be able to be in such an intimate place, but it also then lends to that more of that conversation after we leave the room. And we go back to a counseling room to kind of just talk through now what we've seen, unpack this. Now look at what um, your choices look like, because we do walk through all the choices with women. We talk in depth about abortion, about carrying and either parenting or choosing parents through making an adoption plan. And I do think that that time in the ultrasound room gives you more of a um, standing, I guess, to mm. now talk about some hard things um, because we've just connected in there over, you know, the reality of who you are and what you are. And we try very hard to not seem sterile. And we hear that feedback a lot. You know, this isn't like your typical doctor's office. It's cozy. It's warm here. It's, you know, they, um, we want them to not feel like a patient or a number or we got to get you in and got you out, get you out. So, um, yeah, it is, it is a privilege really. It truly is. And I do think that's the time I do get to prove to someone how much I do care, um, through Christ for their soul, for them as a person, you know, God sent me through miscarriage several times and I know and understand now how much a part of that has been my story in connecting with some women who are walking through that, being able to not just medically speak to what they are feeling and may expect, um, but emotionally. 
and heck the same with having eight children and the last one at age 40. Mm -hmm. I didn't know God was going to use that in my story either. But I mean, how many women I have run into who are not these young spring chickens who have an unexpected pregnancy. Sometimes it's the woman who, hey, my baby's 14 or my baby just graduated high school. I'm not doing this, you know, or I've got three or four kids and I'm a single mom and I can't have this fifth baby. I know what everybody's going to say, you know, just being able to connect with them in a lot of hard places that maybe I didn't make some of those same choices, but I have still seen the faithfulness of God and um, how he's able to work in all kinds of really hard circumstances, meet you there, bring you through to the other side and Oh, even be a little normal after that. Yeah, that's cool. Or, or a new normal, maybe. Yes, a new normal. Very, very good. You're right. Because I do think you find your new normal it, in any life change. It's shocking at first. It's almost thinks, you know, I'll, I'll never get over or past this. But you guys have seen it with any time there's birth or death or anything. Um, a new baby. It's, it's a shock to the system for a little bit, but you do find your new normal, you know, so. That's cool. Cause it sounds like, you know, you have, you have like the professional side of things where it's like, you know, you're not just a volunteer that has been trained, like, Oh, look for the heartbeat, but you know, ultrasound, like, you know, it, um, not that other people at other places don't know it, but, um, sometimes other clinics it sounds like they just you know train someone really quickly to look for certain things but um I don't know what I'm saying but I just the training is different where you're more in depth with it you're right yeah that's true and so you know the professional side of it but then you're also because of where you work able to connect on the the intimate personal spiritual levels of it all too so and that's been the hugest um spiritually growing thing for me because um you know I didn't anticipate that being part of my spiritual growth um I really just saw it as oh here's a tool that God could use if he wanted in that realm and use ultrasound and for many years that's what it was limited to I wasn't really in the counselor's seat Um, talking with women through the whole visit, um, through their choices and pressing in spiritually. Um, But I would say, I guess, I don't know how many years it's been now that they finally said, get in there. You're going to counsel this woman too, not just do her ultrasound, but counsel. And I was like, okay. And and it's like, if you have scripture in your heart and you have a relationship with the Lord and he's taught you through some hard things, you know, um, you are equipped to speak hope into their lives, um, tell hard truths and also bear witness to the faithfulness of God. That has been something I've gotten to see over and over and over again in working there. Like I can honestly, honestly tell every single client, I don't care how impossible her story is with all the abusive father, her drug addiction, her no job, uh, you name it, the things that just make it impossible. I have never seen God fail a woman who does decide in faith to just trust God with this without knowing how it's going to work, realizing that God gave this woman her unplanned pregnancy as an act of grace. He actually did this in the most impossible and untimely in their minds circumstances because he wanted to rescue them many times from this track they were on and that this unexpected pregnancy is going to be an event in their life that if they choose to carry all of a sudden they start making much better choices they Mm -hmm. start cutting the the bad chaff here and there wherever it is in their life they start maybe looking at their education with a laser focus a whole different drive now and you watch their lives just take this upward um track not that they're all prosperous and rich but just that you watch them emotionally um mentally relationally just start making wise and smart choices and on the flip side the women who 
just go ahead and make that choice toward abortion. You know, every single woman I'm aware of, I have just watched a downward spiral in her life um, of it can look like drug addiction. It can look like I can't bond with a man ever again. I can't bond with future children. It can look like repeated affairs. It can, I've seen it look like everything, eating disorders, uh, depression, panic attacks. Um, and so you can't, you don't, they don't get to choose their consequences. Only the Lord knows how it will play out in their lives. And that's some of the hard things we talk about, you know, that they may face and nobody can tell them what it will, will look like. Um, but it's a, it's, it's a, obviously a trap, an empty promise that if you have this abortion, you get to go back to what you were doing and, and just pretend it didn't happen. But it's really like I tell them, it's a T intersection. You're heading right or left at this point. You can't keep going forward. You're going to move toward an abortion and, and the life that that will unfold from there. Or you'll you know move toward having this baby. And that's going to come with a new track too. Um, but yeah, it's been awesome because it has pushed me so much to not just talk experientially from my standpoint of what I've seen. It's pushed me to not just talk medically in the box that way, but to press in and take them to Jesus and, um, ask and beg for an open door to take this, the conversation in a spiritual direction, because we don't exist at Agape to just show them a viable pregnancy or not viable and love them and hug them and give them some, you know, encouraging gifts or whatever. We really know that being a mother won't change your life, but um, knowing Christ will. So yeah. that's the ultimate goal is to hopefully um, show them their greatest need is to know Christ. That's, that's very awesome. encouraging. Yeah. yeah. That's super encouraging. I mean, have you, gotten to follow up with like, you know, after the birth, have you guys gotten to follow up with any of the, the moms with their kids and how they're doing, how they're doing spiritually or. Absolutely. So one of, I, I tell my clients all the time now, the best thing we do is called our hope classes. So we've been doing this for many years, but it's, it's the part of the ministry that is just growing and expanding. Um, and it's where, we, if a woman wants to, um, we find a time for her weekly where she is paired up with a mentor and we have many women volunteers who come in and serve as these, these mentors. And, um, the, the, these hope class times are just one hour a week, but it's, they are jam packed with all the things a mom would need or a woman to grow in knowledge spiritually, but also practically we arrange a curriculum that she chooses that, um, just determines what she needs to grow in the most. And she decides if that's prenatal health education or maybe parenting strategies, or maybe it's budgeting, running a household. It could look like a lot of things, but in that time they're going through that together. And that's a biblically based curriculum. Um, and they start with where a woman is spiritually and just walk with her from there, either growing her in her faith or helping her walk toward Jesus and no scripture. And then practically speaking, they get diapers and wipes every week. They come in a little trip into our baby store to do a little more shopping. And so we really try to pour into them from those three aspects. And so when you build on that each week throughout a woman's pregnancy, and then it can go on through baby's first year of life, there's been tremendous life change, tremendous growth in many, many women um, who have come to know Christ, who have um, become independent from some of the strongholds and addictions they were in. Um, so that side is where I push them as hard as I can. If they decide they're going to carry, we want them uh, plugged in it in a hope class because um, life change happens there. Yeah. Um, the long-term discipleship opportunity is there. And so, yeah, we get to see some of these people. Like I ran into somebody the hallway the other day and um, beautiful baby that this woman wanted to show off to me and that's cool. I, could, I could place her face but not her name and somebody said to me later they said don't you know that that was the girl who had her abortion her second trimester abortion appointment in Knoxville the next day but her friend dragged her here and you did the ultrasound and she decided to carry and that's that beautiful baby that she's so in love with I was like oh 
Yes, praise God. It's so awesome that she not only changed her mind, but she's faithfully coming to her hope class and meeting with her mentor and growing in her knowledge of the Lord. And it's, it's amazing. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah. that sounds amazing. Yeah, that's right. I love yeah. stories like that. And so, and, you know, doing it for as long as you have, I bet you could tell us story after story. I could go on all night. <laughs> yeah. One question I do have uh, is what's it look like now with um, abortion? Uh, like post Roe v. Wade. Yeah, post Roe v. Wade. Uh, with the with the current laws that we have in Tennessee, what does it look like now? How's or how's, how's agape changed? changed? Yeah, uh, it's been a tough change, believe it or not, um, because where this is not the culture we, you know, um, came to be in and have existed in all these years. Just you know, knowing abortion was legal at a certain point to now, it's just supposedly illegal. And I say supposedly because. I mean, we live in Upper East Tennessee, and we are bordered by many states where you can get there pretty quick, and it's not illegal. So we're not naive as to the fact that, yes, it is illegal in this state, but um, that also, you know, this is not something we go advertising to our clients, but on this platform, you you may know that mail-order abortion pills is just an exploding um business too so that's something else they really have access to now what's been hard is because i do think there's been some women come in and know even before what happened here i guess thursday was the day it was official before that when the roe v wade decision came in they could do it up to six weeks so there was this six week timeline everybody was trying to quick get in to see us before they were six weeks so they wouldn't lose their chance to go get their abortion if they decided to do that and they just wanted to figure out how far along they were um and so i do think there were some women who were just kind of confused as to how much they could trust us like can i open up to these women and tell them what i'm really thinking about doing are they going to send me to jail like nobody really knew for sure what happens if i tell you what i'm really thinking um and so that kind of threw us for a loop because it was pretty apparent that we were meeting with some women who were not being very forthright and honest. And we surmised it was because I think they're worried that if they, if we knew that we might turn them in or something like that. Um, and so we had to just start counseling so many women as though they really were considering it, even if they were afraid to say it. Um, you know, there's, Thankfully, God's been very gracious to protect us at Agape. There's been some protests in town, um, maybe even some that walked past our area, but God has just protected the center and all the um, staff and volunteers. So we're very grateful for that, but certainly not afraid. I mean, it's been it's been good just feeling peaceful. I knew I think we are very much at peace, but it has also um, it feels like the tension is even higher than it ever was before to how are we being perceived to the outside world because so much in media I think would cast um, a very shadowy light on crisis pregnancy centers calling us fake clinics I'm aware of several big apps out there that people use for like not just directions but recommendations for businesses and they flag um, pregnancy care centers as fake clinics you know and try to keep people from even coming um, so the tension is just greater of wanting to have a, a witness that is true to Christ um, and palatable um, and truthful because the truth is coming under such hard attack. Yeah. Um, so it's it's been hard because we've had some unforeseen circumstances. We're like, well, we never thought about this because this has never happened before. So how do we approach counseling women you know, from that perspective and how far do you go in saying, okay, so I know um, that you would like to have an abortion and, you know, we don't want them to rush and make a quick decision because most women who make an abortion decision, uh, the number one feedback we've, we've gotten from women who have done that have said they, they just did it too fast. They yeah. made a very fast decision and regret it. And so when you're trying to have somebody, can you take a step back and wait a minute? 
Um, and they're like, but no, I have a deadline and it's in two days. And so I've got to do this within two days if I'm going to, but to help them see you, you actually don't have to do that. You know, your choices are going to be there really. If you're, if you have your mind bent on it, you've got your choices there. Not that we're telling you where to go or what to do, but the choices are still there. We encourage you to still just wait, think, pray, don't rush. Yeah. Um, Your life you know, ahead is going to be formed by this, this biggest decision you will likely make. Yeah, that's big. Well, you know, there is just so much where it's like the evil one does not want life to be celebrated or, you know, life to be had in general. And so it makes total sense that there would be that, that tension growing right now with the I mean the tension is growing nationwide uh, maybe even worldwide I guess but um yeah yeah. well what were you gonna say no I was just gonna say we really appreciate it like this has been really really good yeah is there anything else that you would want to leave us with um as we kind of wrap things up I'm just um I'm glad that there are um just that you guys are doing this podcast that it does shed light on so many important um, issues that um, pertain to just the life and health of people spiritually and their families. And um, we appreciate your prayers. I'm so glad that you guys are putting this out there. And, um, you know, there are other things that crisis pregnancy centers do that is not so much my angle, but, you know, maybe in, even within the hearing of your listeners, there are women who've had abortions before, um, you know, we tell our clients, um, our door is going to be open to you no matter what your choice is. Um, you can always come back to us, um, even post-abortive support um, and counsel, um, because it's not the unforgivable sin. I know you guys know that, but it's really not. It um, And I have seen God restore uh, and use this that, that choice in a woman's life in a powerful way and heal and redeem. Um, and so that's another aspect of what a lot of pregnancy care centers do is that they are there not only for the woman who's abortion-minded, but for the woman who has that in her past. So I would encourage anyone listening, if that is part of your past, that you reach out to a local crisis pregnancy center um, the the counseling and the studies they can lead you through and walk with you through after an abortion are life-changing um and we love these women no matter what the choice has been we know that christ redeems all of our sin um and gives us hope so that's good and for listeners in this area you know there is deeper still i don't know if you've heard of that but that is here in knoxville and i I know they minister to other cities too, but they are um, like a post-abortion recovery ministry that uh, ministers to women who've had abortions. So, um, and they're really good. They're really solid as well. Um, But, well, it's been so good chatting with you on the podcast. And we're really thankful that you took the time out of your evening to talk with us. So Yes, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Reclaiming Families. Check us out at reclaimingfamilies.org where you can find our latest podcasts, blogs, news, and events. We look forward to seeing you all next time.